Hello and welcome again to the Strange Brew podcast. My name's Jason Barnard and that was Yes from their new album, The Quest, and the track being The Ice Bridge. It's because I've got the wonderful pleasure to welcome Alan White here today, ever-present drummer for the band for the past 50 years and known for his work for the likes of John Lennon and George Harrison and will be covering a range of that material here on The Strange Brew today. Welcome, Alan. Hello, how are you? I'm great. It's uh, fantastic to hear you. Oh, very good. Thank you. First of all, obviously, I want to talk about the new Yes album, The Quest. Yes. The first track that everybody is aware of at the minute is The Ice Bridge, a real statement of intent to come back with the group and, and shows that the ambition is still there for the band. Um, what was the uh, recording sessions like for you? Oh, well, we did this album differently, as you might know. Mm. by Steve and John and, and Jeff were all in England and Billy and myself were over here on the, on the West Coast. Basically, we, we did a, a new, mm. new way, which was, you know, just working with the digital information on both sides of the Atlantic. And uh, it seemed to work out really well. Um, I think we know each other mm. relatively well, so we kind of knew what needed to be played and uh, and uh, took it from there and got inspiration from what we were hearing and did our bit, as it were. Was that quite a quick process? Yeah, it was great. Well, we worked together for a long time, so he kind of knows what I like and I know what he likes. I work with... Chris Squire for 43 years that Chris was Billy's, you know, kind of mentor and uh, Billy pretty much plays a lot like Chris and sings a lot like him. So uh, it's really easy to work with Billy. But I've been working with Billy for nearly 20 years now myself. And did uh, Billy come to you in Seattle or did you go down to Billy in L.A.? I went down to L.A. and... uh, we recorded at a studio called Uncle that Billy uses quite a lot. And um, I'm familiar with the place too. So we had familiar surroundings and he knew the desk and um, it made things a lot easier. How much of the music was there Peter Plater? Virtually in full form, full song form when we got it. I think we had a little bit of flair from our bass, bass and drums kind of point of view, making sure the right things were brought out at the right time within what we had to work with. Yeah, it was quite complete, a lot of it, when we received it. The Ice Bridge has been really, really well received. And have you got any other favourite tracks other than the Ice Bridge? Well, yeah, I... Uh, we got another video, a second video coming out after the first one. With the I dare to know. Yeah, well, that's uh, the next video will be based around that too. And and I've seen that, and it's that's really excellent too. It was the the fact that you couldn't tour due to COVID nineteen that meant that you had time to record. I assume. Yeah. Well, it goes. Up and down, as you know, here mm. uh, in England, I think, as well as America. So at the moment, we've got another surge going on. So mm. 
everybody's locking down within themselves. The sensible people are anyway. Hmm. And, uh, you know, just being very careful anyway. But um, there was a space in time where I got a chance to jump on a plane here and um, I wore a mask Mm. and a hoodie. (laughs) My wife said I look like the uni baller. (laughs) (laughs) So I went down to LA and we spent 10 days down there and I, I cut all of the tracks in about 10 days.
We've covered the new Yes album. It'd be good to talk about the tracks that that you've chosen. And I think the first track that you chose was Instant Karma by John Lennon. Well, Instant Karma. I, the first thing I ever did with him was Live Peace in Toronto, you know, um, in Canada. And uh, then we got back from that. And then I got a call out of the blue one day, as usual, from Apple. And uh, Mal Evans, who Mal Evans used to be the Beatles kind of tour manager. So uh, he called me and he said, John wrote a song yesterday, last night, and uh, he wants to record it today. <laughs> Have you got your drums close? And I said, yeah. He said, can you bring him down to the studio? John wants to record the song this afternoon hmm. and he wants to release it next week. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. So everything was pretty instant about the whole thing wow. from beginning to end with Instant Common. But it's a great song. And uh, I remember playing piano on it too with me and John at one piano and Klaus Fuhrman and uh, Gary Wright, I think it was, on the other piano, and uh, pounding away. And uh, there's one funny aspect about Instant Karma is that uh, later in the afternoon, John said, Mm. we don't have enough people singing the chorus. We need more people. So he said... Mal, Mal Evans, that is, out to a local club called Revolution or something. And he brought the whole audience back to sing We All Shine On. (laughs) And uh, I thought, this is going to be a real mess. They're all half drunk, you know. (laughs) But as a matter of fact, it was, we were standing there conducting them and uh, they sang it all and they sang it in tune. It was within an within an hour, so um, it was pretty interesting and funny. But we were so surprised they were, they sang it properly. There's Phil Spector there as well. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, but 
you know, when he worked with Philly, you know, hardly ever see him. He's in the control room most of the right. time. The drumming on Instant Karma, he's got that sort of natural, straightforward rhythm, but at the same time, you've got that fantastic fill in it as well, which really mixes things up. Yeah, well, that became a, an instant kind of icon for me to play it. People keep asking me to play the drum fill in Instant Karma. It's not the, I was just interested at the time in drumming because the whole thing's a shuffle feel and I was interested in doing drum breaks in another meter, you know, another. So that's like a shuffle feel, then it goes into rock and roll for just a couple of beats and then back to kind of a shuffle again. So I was interested in that. But every time I kept doing it, Johnny would get to the end of a take and he said, Alan, I don't know what you're doing, but keep on doing it. (laughs) And he remembered that for a while because um, when it comes to recording again, he he talked about it and said, well, we got Alan White who played on Instant Karma. And that's when I played on Imagine. He must have had real confidence in you because... I mean, you know, when you first played with him at Toronto, you basically had no notice. You rehearsed on the plane, didn't you? No, I had no warning at all, but we we did rehearse on the plane. I mean, but I I rehearsed on the back of the aeroplane seat with a pair, yeah. pair of drumsticks. And uh, we played mostly standard songs, which I knew in my head, that's why John said, John said in the broadcast, um, well, we've never played together before, which was perfectly true. None of us had ever played with each other. So uh, that was kind of a, a landmark thing to do anyway. Yeah, so you, you certainly passed the test with Toronto and Instant Karma, given those very high-pressure situations. I think more by... The fact that I was so young, I was only 20 years old, it seemed to be just a a step in my career as it was. And I didn't think anything big of anything, so I didn't get really nervous at any of these things. So uh, I just got on with it, did my bit, and then only years later did I turn around and just look back and go, well, did I do all of that? Be interesting. This is karma's gonna get you. Gonna knock you right in the head. You better get yourself together. Pretty soon you're gonna be dead.
after Instant Karma by uh, 1971, John invited you to take part in the recording of his uh, Imagine album? Yeah, that was great. Basically, I'd go down to Tittenhurst every day for about, I think it was about eight or, eight or nine or ten days. And we'd all turn out, have a bit of breakfast if you wanted it. And then we listened to what we were going to play that day. John usually showed us the lyrics to the song, and he'd say, that's what you're going to say to the world. Do you want to play on it? And it was kind of interesting. But um, he got on with it, and there was a great sense of achievement, you know, when we got through the songs. Everything was recorded in a very small room, really. Drums in the corner and a stand-up piano in the corner. And um, it just became a, a very close-knit kind of band playing in the room. And uh, it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of great people involved. And the track Imagine itself, is, um, although it's quite a simple song, you know, the, the drumming has got a real feel to it and doesn't overpower the song, it complements it. Well, I always believe in playing what's necessary for the song, and um, there's no reason to do drum fills all over the place. That's just people who, who are trying to prove themselves. I do what uh, the instruments are made for, which is providing a rhythm section for the song and catering to the song, and that's the secret in recording certain amount of songs, is uh, listen to what the song's about and, and apply yourself where necessary. I 
So was it through George being around during that recording of Imagine that that led you and George to link up for All Things Must Pass? Yeah. Yeah, he came to the studio a few times and we'd sit and eat dinner at seven in the evening every day around a big wooden table. And I got to meet George and we struck up conversations and stuff. And I think... We kind of hit it off, and when it came to doing my sweet Lord, he um, invited me down to the sessions. So we spent three weeks in EMI Studios, and it was the same group of people every day, and we'd choose who would play what on what tracks, and, and as it ended up, I played on about two-thirds of the album. Because there was a lot of drummers who were accredited or even said to be there, even Phil Collins at, at one point. So well, I think Phil Collins came in at a later date and didn't know ah. on something. Right. But I have no idea which song it was. And so it was just a, a very natural process in terms of who would take the lead on a particular song? Yeah. And, um, you know, there's particular instances when, you know, the song My Sweet Lord, which became a radio playable hit, mm. was I was standing there and George was there and Ringo was there. And uh, George says, I want Alan, I want you to play drums on My Sweet Lord. And I said, well, it doesn't sound like a very difficult drum part, you know. I mean, and Ringo's standing here, why don't you use Ringo, which was because it kind of put me in a little bit of a weird position because he was the drummer in the Beatles, you know. Mm. Uh, but um, he said, no, I'm going to have Ringo play tambourine and you play drums. So that's how we recorded it. And the drums on um, My Sweet Lord seemed to come in a, a, bit, a bit later. Was that a natural thing? Or- it, was, it was a natural fade-in that we did in the studio. It wasn't a fade-in on the desk. Right. I think maybe enhanced a little bit by that, but we started the drums really quiet in the studio, so it was kind of natural. And, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that track a lot. You recorded with John and recorded with George. Were they quite similar personalities in terms of directing the music, or were they different? Um, well, slightly different. Uh, but 
really the same. They both uh, were very thorough in what they thought the track should be and strove to get to that point in the studio. But uh, the funny thing is, with both George and John, they never really told me what to play much at, at all. Right. In fact, I don't think at all they ever said, oh, can you play this? There's, it was more or less like John said to me in Instant Karma, he says, whatever you're playing, it works great. Keep on doing it. <laughs> so that's the feeling I had most of the time I was in there. So they must have enjoyed my presence and the way I was playing.
And so next, another a track that, that you've picked, and it's the wonderful Ritual from Tales of Topographic Oceans. So I think that was your first recording with the group. Um, were you aware of, of Yes when joining them? Yeah, it was the first studio recording with Yes. Right. And uh, um, Eddie Offord was the engineer. And it was pretty uh, pretty interesting because it was supposed to be kind of a battle between, uh, you know, like instruments in the room. But it, it turned out by me looping a, a drum, an ethnic drum beat, and then expanding on it. And uh, on stage, we used to usually play it at the very end of a show because it was very climatic with the keyboards ascend and and then almost like everything explodes at the end. That was the idea. So that was an interesting album to make. And very collaborative because I, I think band members on percussion on that track, but am I right that you're you're actually on piano on ritual? No, no. Oh okay. No, that was Rick who played on that. I think, I know you say that, I think Chris did a little bit of doubling on the piano within it, but it was all Rick, all of that ascending chords and uh, craziness, as it were. You were following in uh, Bill Bruford, so again, quite tough shoes to um, to fill there. How, how did um, working with the band compare because Bill's style was seemed to be a bit more jazzy and you're a bit more at times can be a bit more rock yeah I I, I think the band wanted to kind of move in that direction a little bit when they had me come and play because Chris saw me play with Joe Cocker around that time and then Bill as you know suddenly left mm. after they made close to the edge so I stepped in and I had to learn the repertoire in three days uh, but I had my own style and obviously I wasn't going to play everything like Bill and I did my own interpretation of what he'd done on the track but I, I gave it a little bit more and meat, as they say, you know, a bit of more down-to-earth kind of feel to it. Dan seemed to like that. Mm-hmm. So when I joined the band, I, I said, I'll give you guys three months to see if I enjoy this, and you can give me three months. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm still here. Next year will be my 50th year. Open doors, we find our way. We look, we see.
Next, we have Sound Chaser from Yes's Relayer album. And I've, I've heard that this is actually our favourite Yes album, or certainly one of them. Yeah, Relayer was a very adventurous album in a lot of respects, especially the bass and drums. I mean, we were very much in our mind creating everything to be searching for something new and different to do all the time, which Yes is been through its whole careers to look for something, not looking at the horizon, but trying to see over the horizon and create something new and different within the realm of, of modern music. And um, I think Relay is one of the albums that expresses that a lot, some pretty technical kind of playing and then uh, pretty crazy stuff. And I can look back at that album going, this is crazy. Why would we want to do this, you know, at this point in this time? And um, that was just a feeling in the band. 
and uh, we got very progressive. Yeah, uh, Sound Chaser is actually a great example of that. Is that you um, started at a different tempo from the the band? Well, it starts with a drum solo, and uh, well, a drum solo with uh, Patrick doing a keyboard line, and I play crotals, and then we do these little patterns together, and then it goes into a drum solo that eventually turns into the the five four rhythm that we play the whole track in. But the idea about that track. We used to drive down to the studio every day, and I had a, I don't know if you, you remember what a Panther was, a sports car, Jaguar. All right. It was a, a kit car kind of thing. Anyhow, uh, I had one of those, and it was a stick shift, as they say. Hmm. So I decided that if we're going to play this slick over and over again, why don't we do it? in different speeds, like driving the car down the freeway and go from first to second to third to fourth to back to third again. And um, we were able to do that instantly between us. And it worked. It worked and we recorded it. And it was quite surreal to record, really.
Next, we have a huge hit for Yes, and I was speaking with uh, Tony Kay recently about this, uh, the track owner of A Lonely Heart, and yeah. a bit more of a straightforward approach in terms of the drums and rhythms on that one. Yeah, well, it was, you know, Trevor Raven came into the band with Chris and myself, and then eventually Tony, and we we had a lot of uh, 90125 rehearsed. We, and then Tony came in for a few months, and we were pretty much finished kind of organizing all the tracks before we went in at the studio. Bonneville, the only artist, was one of many songs at that time, but when we got into it, we started adding all of the samples and uh, the drum parts sounding different. That was um, a... It was a, a sample of drums from an old old song from like the 50s or 60s. And um, that is actually what you hear, but it's just a snippet. And then it goes back to the real drum sound. So it's basically a mix of samples and programs, but organic drums as well. Yeah, but most of it, most of it is actually recorded in the studio. Great. And it's funny about that track was with Trevor Horn, he wanted to get the best drum sound ever. So we started playing it with a whole drum kit. And then uh, the guy that worked for me, uh, all of a sudden he came out of the control booth and he said, Trevor wants me to take the cymbals away. And I said, hang on a second. Hmm. He doesn't want any cymbals. And then we did another run at the song and he came out again he said Trevor wants me to take all of the tom-toms away he wants just a bass drum snare drum and I yeah so we did another run at it then he came out again he said Trevor wants me to take the hi-hat away <laughs> I said, well I'm only left with a bass drum snare drum doing a a drum take and uh, that's how I ended up doing the original. And then I overdubbed the rest of the drum kit back in later.
one song of yours just to close Alan that I'd like to ask you about it's a, a wonderful song it is a turn of the century on going for the one oh. um, which I think you um, you co-wrote that with uh, Steve do, do you recall writing that song yeah. I recall coming up with the chords and writing some of it with John and um, and then Chris took the chord um, sorry Steve took the chords and did a really great guitar rendition of it. And, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful song, the way it turned out. So there's been periodic times with a band where you've, in the studio, you've played on piano and, and not just drums and percussion then? Yes. Yeah, well, I've done that with a few songs in Yes. There's another one called In the Presence of, of Magnification. Yeah. That album, the orchestral album. So it's usually maybe one track on a, a couple of the albums. So 
I enjoy all that. Like uh, with nine and one to five, it was changes. Right. And so I guess other than the release of The Quest, hopefully COVID permitting, you, the band, uh, yes, will be out on tour. Yeah, Yeah, there's no doubt we'll be playing some of the songs uh, from The Quest. It's a good album. It's it's going to sound great on stage, I'm pretty sure. Everybody likes it, and it seems like the reaction to the album is is being well-received in the business, so... We're getting a lot of people very interested in how we're going to perform it, and uh, and I'm uh, looking forward to it. Fantastic, Alan! It's been such a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I wish you all the best of the release of the Quest, given how well it's gone down. All right. Well, thank you very much, and it's been a pleasure talking. Bye bye. Bye bye now.
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.